<laughs> I just want to start off by saying thank you, Pastor Wiki, um, for allowing me to speak on behalf of the youth. Um, also, Pastor Greg and Sister Steph, who are not here, um, thank you as well for allowing me to speak. So I'm going to start off with a um, Bible verse, if you can help me bring that up. It's Romans 12.1. And it says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So what is sacrifice, that we may ask? So sacrifice is giving up something of value or significance for a greater purpose or a cause. Offering our bodies as a living sacrifice means dedicating ourselves fully to God and to His purposes. It involves surrendering our desires, our ambitions, and even giving our physical bodies to Him. But not my will, but His be done. And it's allowing our actions, our thoughts, and our attitude to reflect His. So I'm going to show you a little testimony about my sacrifices. So in the past year of my journey, so I came to POS last year, um, I've had to sacrifice many things. And I'll be the first to say it is not easy. <laughs> Um, it's probably one of the hardest things to do to sacrifice something you love, a habit, uh, anything that you desire. So I was in a four-year relationship, four-and-a-half-year relationship, and last year I was supposed to get engaged. Those were the plans. And ever since I was 15, my dream was to have a husband and a family and a white picket fence and, you know, live the best life. And I thought that's what life was. But as I started my walk with God I started getting these convictions as I drew closer to God I drew away from that life and like God was telling me like you can't have one foot in that life and one foot in this life and he really spoke to me because every time I was around that environment that relationship that friend that community all that kind of stuff it was bringing me back to the world and I was trying to go this way and I was getting pulled this way so as you know you can't have one foot in the world and one foot with God um, and he told me he's like I need you to move first in order for me to move. And I, I didn't want to move. I was like, no, I'm good here. I'm good here. But the convictions got stronger and stronger. And I just felt like this anxiousness, this, I couldn't, I felt so overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I trust you. I trust to give everything to you. And so I gave it to him. But not only did I sacrifice that, I also sacrificed it, sacrificed it. I also sacrificed my, my bad attitude, my habits that weren't for God. The way that I spoke to people, my communication skills weren't, weren't the best. Um, so I sacrificed so much. My pride was the biggest thing coming from, you know, Lebanese background. Pride is everything. So for me to just, you know, reflect Jesus and His char character, it was very hard for me because I was all about pride, right? <laughs> so God said to me, hold on, Sarah, you know, it's my will, not yours. And I had to, I had to sacrifice that. I had to give it to Him because... You know, He wrapped Himself in flesh. He came to the earth and He suffered for us. So who am I to not do the same for Him? Amen? So I kept begging, you know, so on, so on. I said, God, like if He's not for me, you know, if my community isn't for me, then give me a sign. Boy, He gave me a sign. But I was like, oh, give me another sign. I'm a bit stubborn. Give me another sign. And I think after like four months, He really gave me a sign. And I was like... Okay, I get it. Like, let's do it your way. And, you know, I gave it to him. And from there, I was just so vulnerable because I don't know how to be vulnerable. I don't know that feeling. And I knew God was saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to let go and trust me. And for me, that was so, so hard. But when I did let go and I let go of all those things and I sacrificed those things, what God has done in my life has been beyond that. He has 
He has helped me with being patient, being humble, being gentle. Lord, He's given me this joy that I can't explain, this peace. Like He's also surrounded me with really, really good people and Christ-like-minded people who will lift me up when I'm wrong, when won't drag me down, but will drag me up. And I'm so forever blessed for that. So I was left to make the decision, do I sacrifice my plans for His desires? And I did it. And it was worth it. Every single day it is worth it. And I feel like, you know, if you're ever in a position where you're in the middle and you don't know whether to pay the sacrifice, it is worth it every single time. Because when you sacrifice something, God returns it plus GST. He doesn't just give you what you had. He gives you better. And I'm a living proof of that. And I praise God every single day. And if anyone was to come and say, would you do it again? A hundred times over and over again, will I do it again? So I just wanted to just encourage you, like if you are going through anything, God can give you the compassion, the love, the joy, the peace that you are lacking. And yes, it's hard to feel vulnerable, but He will be there. He's with you everywhere you go. And so it's so important, instead of being my desires, my will and my glory, it should be His desires, His will and His glory. And just to end it, I wanted to end with Deuteronomy 31.8. And it says, The Lord Himself goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I think they got the invitation mixed up. I'm pretty sure she's meant to be preaching. Amen. Praise the Lord. So glad to be with you all here tonight. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord? Who's grateful to be found in the house of the Lord? Amen. Praise the Lord. Very quickly, I know time is of the essence. I do want to give honor to Pastor Greg and Stephanie Hackathorn, two dear friends of mine who I love quite dearly. I totally forgot that actually they weren't going to be here tonight. I actually wore this batik in honor of him because we got to go to Indonesia together and, uh, and I saw God use Pastor Greg incredibly over there. And uh, I just love them dearly so much, but I give them honor. I also want to give honor to Pastor Gina. So thankful for her ministry, Brother Lai, all of the ministry team of POCC. God's doing amazing things on the Central Coast. And we are living in exciting times for the kingdom of God. This is a new beginning. Amen. This is a new work that the Lord is doing. And we are believing in the word of the Lord and in the promise of the Lord that we will see great things come to pass on the central coast as we already are. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, if you will turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. We're reading the 46th Psalm. Beginning in verse number 1, reading to verse number 11. As you are turning there, I also want to give honor to my pastor and his wife, Stanley and Robin Harvey. So thankful for them. Thank you, Brother Lai. Their ministry, their love and support to me and my family. Amen. The word of the Lord reads, God is our refuge and strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. And so we will not fear when, when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Because in the midst of all of that chaos, verse number four tells us that a river brings joy to the city of our God. 
speaking about Jerusalem, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed from the very break of day. God will protect it. Verse number six then turns our attention to the attacks of the enemy against the city of Jerusalem and God's people. And it says, the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. Though they may be fearful at the look of the eye when you visually look at them, the word of the Lord lets us know that they are really in chaos and they will fall and crumble once God's voice thunders because the earth mounts at the word of the Lord. In verse number 7, it says, The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. In verse number 8, it says, Come see the glorious works of the Lord. Everybody say, come see. Come see the glorious works of the Lord here on the central coast. Come see what God is doing. See how He brings destruction upon a world that is trying to attack God's people, His kingdom, and His purpose. Because He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. And then it's like God joins the conversation to reaffirm His word. And He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Praise the name of the Lord. I want to speak to you for the next few minutes. And I am aware I do have minutes. I cannot be long-winded here tonight. But I want to speak to you on this thought. Be still and see the glory of God. Be still and see the glory of God. I wonder if one last time you can lift your hands. And why don't you raise your voices with your hands. And let's make this building a house of prayer. Let's make this a place of worship. Would you do that for just a moment? Thank you, and the Lord bless you tonight. Thank you, Caleb. Amen. Psalms 46 is a song that was written with God's people in mind. Its use of personal pronouns like our and we and us are, plurals, are, are, are plural in nature and is perhaps an indication that this Song, this psalm was intended to be sung in the congregation of God's people and not in the confines of private devotion. Because the purpose of 
this psalm is really to remind God's people that the presence of God is with his people. That's the purpose of this psalm. And what a difference the presence of God makes when we learn to trust God through the changes and difficulties of life. What a difference the presence of God makes when we learn to turn towards Him in seasons of uncertainty and in times of great change where we don't know how things are going to unfold and what the next step is ahead of us. How great a privilege it is for us as God's people that we can today gather once or twice a week and we can experience the presence of God. Anyone thankful here today for the presence of God? Anybody grateful to know that you can gather as a community and you can encounter the presence of God for yourself? And you can be comforted by God's presence as a community. And we can be strengthened by God's presence together. Because God's presence is with his people. The historical background that inspired the writing of Psalms 46 is believed to be the deliverance of Jerusalem from the invasion of the Assyrian army during the time of King Hezekiah. The story is told across three books of the Bible in 2 Kings chapter 18 and 19 and in 2 Chronicles 32 and in Isaiah 36 and 37. It was in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign as king in Judah when Sennacherib king of Assyria began attacking the fortified towns of Judah on his way to wage war against the city of Jerusalem. And when you consider the events that lead up to this invasion, where Hezekiah has reopened the temple that his father Ahaz had closed, and he had commissioned the priests to cleanse themselves and then to go through the temple and cleanse this temple that Ahaz had defiled, bringing ungodly instruments in to the temple of God. And he commissions the priests to go through and cleanse out this temple. It has been shut for so long now. There has been no sincere, genuine worship risen up before God Because Ahaz had closed the doors on the temple of God. And so he commissions them to go through and cleanse the temple. But he didn't stop at just the cleansing of the temple. He proceeded to tell the priests that they are to cleanse themselves. That they are to ready themselves to get ready for service unto God. That they are to cleanse themselves, to recommit themselves in holy relationship with a holy God. And he commissions them to go through the rituals of cleansing that were required of the priests. But what made, Zach, uh, that what made Hezekiah a little bit different from the kings before him was he didn't just stop at the cleansing of the temple 
or the cleansing of the priests. He proceeded to actually commission the people of God to prepare themselves for God. And he addresses the people as a whole. And he tells the people that you, not just the priests, you as an individual, you as God's chosen people, you need to prepare yourself for God. And so the people, in an incredible response, where they have not heard the words of a godly man for such a time, and the Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, was really a corrupt man. He was an ungodly man. He was a man that did not fear the Lord. And he associated himself with the enemies of God. And it would unfortunately bring about his demise. But you see, the Bible records that Hezekiah was not like his father Ahaz. Hezekiah was not a man who, who would willingly compromise what he believed in. He was a man who desired God with all of his heart, with all of his strength, and with all of his might. And the Bible tells us when you read through 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings, Isaiah tells us that, Isaiah, that Hezekiah, that he was a man who did that which was pleasing unto the Lord. And so what did he do? In the first month of his kingship, he begins to commission the priest to cleanse the temple. And then he moves on to the priest preparing themselves to, bring, to be of service to God. And then from there, he commissions the people to prepare themselves for relationship with God. And then what, I, what Hezekiah does is he does what no other king had done before him. He then commission the people to go throughout the land and tear down the idols, tear down these places of worship that are a barrier, a, a, a blockade, so to speak, between you and God. And all the people go through all the land and they begin to tear down these places of idol worship. And so when you consider these events for so long, Judah, the kingdom of Israel, they had been separated from God. But here comes Hezekiah, a man so full of a love and a zeal for God. In the face of great odds where no one else would live for God. Where no one else would commit themselves. Where no one else would stand in the gap and with boldness and confidence stare into the face of the enemy and say no further, no more. Hezekiah decides I'm going to stand and do that which is pleasing unto the Lord. And all of the people... They never heard such a voice for so long. And when you consider these events that preceded this invasion by the Assyrian army, it's clear to see that when the people of God begin to seek after God with all of their heart and they begin to prioritize their relationship with God and a revival of righteousness and worship of God starts spreading throughout the land that the enemy starts getting restless. The enemy starts 
getting frustrated when he realizes that a people who were so silent once upon a time, a people who did not long after God, when all of a sudden they turn and they repent and they give their life to the Lord and they decide I'm going after God with all of my heart, that the enemy decides I'm going to attack the people. I'm going to come in and bring havoc towards the people. I've come with a simple message here tonight, church, to simply talk to us about the great revival that has started on the day of Pentecost. It hasn't stopped since the day of Pentecost. There has been an ongoing outpouring of the Spirit of God since the day of Pentecost. God has been sweeping throughout the land. God has been moving from generation to generation, revealing His glory to those who will hear the voice of God. And he is filling them with his spirit and lives are being changed and hearts are being transformed. And once addicted people are now experiencing freedom in the name of the Lord. Why? Because there is a revival of that which was dead coming back to life and it has not stopped You see, the enemy will attack us when we make a decision to stand for God. The enemy will come against us when he recognizes how serious we are about our relationship with God. When we put God first and we pursue after his kingdom, the enemy is well aware of your decision. He is well aware of your commitment and he is going to do all that he can to stop you. And I've just come to encourage somebody today that if you're experiencing a little opposition, I want you to know that you're in good hands because it's probably evidence that you are doing the right thing. It's probably proof that God is working in your life. If you're choosing no longer to live a life of sin and the enemy is trying to pull you back into that life, it is a clear sign that the enemy is coming against you because he wants to stop you. The enemy doesn't want you to live for God. When he attacks us, we are to take comfort in knowing that God is with us. That God is our refuge and our strength. These people, Assyrian army, they come to Hezekiah. And it's pretty amazing when you read through the story that Hezekiah... As he stands in Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem that has now been fortified, and the Assyrian army, uh, 185,000 are there, and more actually, but they're there, and there's three officials that are there to intimidate the people of Israel. And they begin to talk to Israel about their God and where they are at. And here's what they say. If we go to Isaiah chapter 36, verse number 4. Then Rabshakeh said to them, this is him talking to the three officers of Hezekiah. He says, so now, say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria. What confidence is this in which you say, you trust? 
I say you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you would rebel against me? Look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all who trust in him. You see, they thought that they were leaning on Egypt. They thought that their confidence in standing against the Assyrian army was because they were confident in Egypt's strength and power. But they would soon be mistaken Verse number seven, he says, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places, whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt's, Egypt for chariots and horsemen? You see, they're trying to invoke fear into the hearts of God's people. And they're trying to get them to, to become so fearful in their actions and that they would give in to the demands of the Assyrian army. And they were mistaken, however, that they were trusting in Egypt because they weren't trusting in Egypt. Their trust was not in Egypt. You see, Hezekiah understood one thing. After these, uh, this Assyrian army comes before them, listen to what, uh, uh, what Hezekiah does. Isaiah chapter 38. It says in verse number one, when King Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he went into the house of the Lord. In the midst of his battle, in the midst of his warfare against the enemy, where he is receiving these threats from the enemy, Hezekiah, being the godly man that he is, doesn't turn to Egypt. He goes to the house of the Lord and he bows himself before the presence of God and he begins to cover himself in sackcloth and seek after God. And in the midst of that whole situation, which is fearful for him and his people, he clings to a hope that no other nation had at that time outside of him. You see, the Assyrian army had already gone through and conquered multiple nations. And they had destroyed many of their gods. And in their appeal to make to invoke fear into Israel, they were saying, all of these other nations fell. Their gods could not save them. But you see, their gods were no gods at all. There's only one true God. He is the God of Israel. Hezekiah knew that. So did the prophet Isaiah. Their confidence was in not any God, not some make-believe God. It was in the one true God. And so he comes and he's praying and he's seeking the face of God. Church, can I simply tell you that in the midst of uncertainties, when we don't know what's going on in life, 
when we are faced with difficult situations and we don't have the answers, the best place that you and I could go to is to the house of God. The best place that you and I would find comfort and strength in is in the house of God. It is to get amongst the people of God. Why? Because God is with his people. Oftentimes, one of the first things that begin to drop in our lives when we are faced with difficult situations is our attendance to the house of God. One of the first things that go when it comes to private devotion as we begin to battle with struggles and heartaches in life, as Pastor preached to us just last weekend, is our prayer life. We begin to put God on the shelf as we allow our hearts and our minds to be overcome with the fears of uncertainty and difficult challenges. I remember Pastor Gina several years ago. I cannot imagine. I've now been living for the Lord 16 years as of this year, walking in a relationship with the Lord. I know I look 16, but uh, I've been around a bit longer than that. Uh, but I've been walking in relationship with the Lord now for 16 years, and I cannot imagine going a day without having accessed the presence of God. I can't imagine what life would be like for me if I was not able to access the presence of God. I remember one time, I'll never forget, I it was before my wife gave birth to our first son, uh, first child, my son, Jediah. This is going back to 2018. I'll never forget the day when I was at home and I was in my kitchen and I heard what sounded like a scream of agonizing pain. And it was just me and my wife home and I was, I was down in the kitchen, of course. That's where most Kiwis hang out. But I was down in the kitchen when I all of a sudden heard this agonizing scream. And, and I didn't know what it was. It did, definitely sounded like a scream, but it was a little bit muffled. And so it went on for a minute, and I could tell that it was coming from upstairs. And so I ran upstairs, and one of the hardest things for me that I ever saw and that I had to deal with for a while was watching my wife deal with the pain of miscarriage and watching her cry in a pillow, just screaming, just unable to utter words. All she could do was scream and shout and hurt out of just pain at the loss of what we were hoping would be our first child that was miscarried just a week earlier. And one of the hardest things I witnessed over the next two years leading into 2020 was having to carry that burden and that weight of my wife who was just struggling, trying to get by day by day, just lost and confused and hurt at the idea of, will God ever give me children? Will God ever see my affliction and see my desires? As she looked about and we saw some of our closest friends, everyone, all of the married couples, all of the lovely families were, were 
women were getting pregnant and they were having children and there my wife was battling and struggling, desiring for God to bless us with children and yet nothing seemed to happen. There was no clear sign, but you know what she did? She kept coming to the house of the Lord. In spite of all of it, she knew in the midst of that uncertainty, in the midst of all of that heartache and despair, she dragged herself to the house of the Lord every single Sunday. And there were some Sundays, Pastor Gina, where we got the strength that we needed to keep moving on because God's presence is in the midst of his people, church. Just get yourself into the presence of God's people. Just get yourself into the house of God and you will be met with God himself. My wife took herself there and there was some amazing moves of the Spirit of God and no one knew what we're dealing with. And then all of a sudden, one of the great godly women in our church, she came under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, laid her hand on my wife and began to prophesy and say to her essentially that in just a short while, you will become pregnant and God will bless you with a child. And to my wife in that time, that was the joy, that was the strength that she needed to move on to another day. You see people, you see church, the enemy would want us to stay lost in uncertainty. The enemy wants us to stay bound in darkness confused and hurt, but it's not the will of God. If you will just get yourself into the house of God, you will receive your word for your situation. I do not believe in consequences. I do not believe in luck or chances. We live in a world that is ordered right down to the minute detail. It is ordered by the hand of God. Nothing happens by accident. What I'm saying is God sees where you're at. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows the battle and the struggle. And he has declared a promise to you and I that he is with his people. Hallelujah. This is what Hezekiah does. He gets himself into the house of the Lord. But then he does, goes a bit further. And I'm going to come to a close if I could get Brother Caleb, the musicians, to come. He doesn't just stop at prayer. Prayer is very essential for you and I today, church. There is a great revival that is sweeping through this land. There is a great work of God that is ahead of us. The enemy is trying to attack us and stop. This work here on the central coast is an amazing work of God. This was birth out of a burden for the kingdom of God. This was birth out of a place of prayer from godly men and women who desire to please the Lord. And God is blessing this great church. And I know that more people will come to experience salvation here on the central coast because of what God is doing here. There is a revival. The enemy is attacking us. Hezekiah recognized this and he went to prayer, but he didn't stop there. He went and he got himself before the man of God. And he sent his messengers to go and seek the prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah 
goes before the Lord on behalf of Hezekiah and God's people. And he begins to plead unto the Lord for the salvation of Jerusalem and God's people. And it's in there that the man of God, the man that God had appointed to be his mouthpiece to the people in this time, he begins to speak to Hezekiah. And here's what he says, after all the threats are made, here's what he says, Isaiah 37, verse 34. Isaiah says, Therefore thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, nor shoot any arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mounted against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return. And he shall not come into this city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And then here comes the fulfillment of the word of the Lord. Verse 36, then the angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went away, returned home, and remained at Nineveh. And now it came to pass, as he was worshiping in the house of Nisroch, Nisroch his king, uh, his god, sorry, that his son Adramalek and Shereza struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat. Amen. God took care of the enemy that came against his people. What a beautiful God that we serve. Listen once again as I bring this to a close. The Psalm, Psalm 46. Listen, most scholars believe this may have been written by Hezekiah himself. He says, God is our refuge and strength always ready to help in times of trouble. And so we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Why? Because a river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protected. Amen. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth mounts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Closing scriptures, come and see. Imagine being Hezekiah on that day. All of Israel, all of the people standing before a great army where 185,000 have just fallen victim to the Word of God because God came into that situation as He called on the name of the Lord God. He answered and He came in and He said, you're not touching my people. You're not getting a hold of my people. I am protecting my people. Their salvation is in my hands, says the Lord. You won't do anything. That was the promise. That was the Word. And this is why the psalmist would go on to write in verse number 10, 
as God comes and He says, listen, in the midst of all of that, be still. Just be still. Just wait in the presence of the Lord. Just trust in the Word of God. Just lean into prayer and find yourself at the foot of Almighty God. Just be still because you will see, you will see and know that God is God and He will be exalted in that situation. Let's be upstanding here tonight. The Lord of Heaven's armies is here among us tonight, church. I believe that there is a great work ahead of the Pentecostals of Central Coast. I believe there is a great work ahead of POS. And I know that the enemy has got his hands on every single one of us. He's got his eyes on us. His desire is to bring you and I to ruin. But I've got a word for you today. God is our refuge and our strength. He's always ready to help in times of trouble. I don't know what trouble it is that you are in. I don't know the battle that you are dealing with, whether it's relational, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's just to do with your job or whatever it is, whatever you're going through, I'm here to tell you today that God is your strength. God is your refuge. And if you will call on Him tonight, He's ready to bring you help. He's ready to bring you out of that situation. Could we lift our hands towards heaven all across this place? And let's begin to pray right now. Mighty God, mighty God, Father, we are leaning in today, God. In the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of all of the pain and the hurt, in the midst of all of the destruction around us, oh Lord, we are leaning into your presence today. And we are bringing ourselves before you. And we are, Lord, are trusting in you today. And we are calling upon you to help us today. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm done here tonight, but I believe that the Lord is not done. And so I want to invite us all to come to this altar tonight. And let's seek the Lord for where you are at, for your situation. If you need to seek the Lord for a loved one, these altars are open for you tonight. If you need to seek the Lord for this church, these altars are open for you tonight. Let's come. spoken to you, we've received from the Lord. Don't hold back. You can come forward and open your heart to the Lord. It's a sign of faith when you come up in front. Commune with the Lord. Don't worry about who's standing next to you. This is time you can give it all to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. 
is it our custom or tradition to come up at the altar and pour it out to the Lord, amen. Whatever situation we're going through right now, only the Lord knows, amen. The Lord knows, hallelujah.